0: The Katie Suarez Social Justice Podcast is now available on iTunes and elsewhere with the award-winning adventure novel, Irreversible Damage, by J.L. Reese. The series is narrated by actor Mike Gomez. In this first book of a series on contemporary social justice activism, Katie learns that changes affecting her life were instigated by forces and people far removed from her and whose greed for a political and financial game means more to them than the lives they sacrificed along the way. Irreversible Damage, the Katie Suarez Social Justice Series, a novel by J.L. Reese, narrated by Mike Gomez. One wave from the Copa County Courthouse sits Manny's Pub, a New York-style deli restaurant, an institution in itself. For over fifty years, its dark wool paneled walls, large mirrors, and white tile floors have seen and heard some of the most private and essential negotiations of lawyers and prosecutors in preparation for their court appearances. On this particular day, Lorenzo was having lunch with some friends and colleagues celebrating Malcolm Cumber's birthday. His friend was a senior partner at Cumber and Klein Accounting, a forensic accounting firm that did a lot of work with Lorenzo's firm. The people at the celebration, almost 20 in total, were well acquainted and generally liked each other. The group was going through a lot of liquor. They were loud and they were having animated legal and political conversations. The night before the birthday lunch, Senator Patrick McMasters of Arizona decided to support Trump's campaign and his idea of a border wall to protect America from the dangerous Mexicans. Mary, one of the senior secretaries, decided to crack a joke related to the news. So... How did Trump convince McMasters to join his campaign? He promised to remove all the illegal Mexicans out of Arizona, but let him keep his gardener and his maid. Everyone laughed. Everyone except Lorenzo. He could see how Trump's words and actions were polarizing people and creating a wave of prejudice against Mexicans and Mexican-Americans with unpredictable consequences. During the luncheon, he discussed the matter with Edgar Batali, whose father was Italian and whose mother was Mexican. Edgar was a closet Mexican, meaning that he generally hid his Mexican ancestry, only acknowledging his Italian roots. Edgar, don't you think that we educated and somewhat influential Mexican-Americans should take some action to stop Trump's attacks on Mexican-Americans? Looking around to see who heard, Edgar was visibly uncomfortable. "'I think it damages our community and has great potential to harm the future of our youth,' Lorenzo continued. "'What do you mean, harm the future of our youth?' said Edgar, annoyed. "'You know how a bad reputation can hurt you. With Trump's shocking character assassination of Mexicans, who's going to want to hire a Mexican-looking kid if they have other options?' These kids will be destined to become the second option to others. And with their own self-esteem damaged, our kids are going to have a harder time. Trump's not speaking about Mexican-Americans. He's just talking about illegal Mexicans. Edgar became increasingly more uncomfortable as Lorenzo kept referring to him as a Mexican-American. Very few people knew about his Mexican mother. Lorenzo knew because when they first met, Edgar had mentioned it to Lorenzo in an effort to gain his trust and his business. And look, Lorenzo, illegal immigration is a problem, and they need to stop it. I agree. We need to have better border protection and stronger laws to discourage illegal immigration. At the same time, fair immigration reform, protecting the unity of American families. People who have been here for 30 years and made an honest life, paid taxes, and created an American family have to be treated humanely. The American-born children of illegal immigrants, they need their parents. If they get deported, those kids' future will be irreversibly damaged. And Lorenzo's eyes welled. The people who will pay for this anti-Mexican border wall campaign are the next generation. They are who I worry about most, the millions of children and teenage American-born kids, children of Mexican immigrants. The damage caused when important people on national TV say Mexicans are rapists and criminals, and we have to build a wall to keep them out. How will that hurt their future and their self-worth? I get you. You're Mexican and feel more offended, but Our kids are no longer Mexican, they're American. They need to forget their Mexican background and assimilate. Do you think that if Trump was to say all Armenians are rapists, Armenian Americans would be happy? Or would they say, it's okay as long as he only means the ones born in Armenia? Lorenzo looked Edgar straight in the eye and said, Edgar, you often talk about your Italian background. Would you or your fellow Italian-Americans be happy if Trump said, All Italians are mafia criminals, thugs, and assassins. Wow, Lorenzo, chill out. You're taking this way too personally. Edgar's face got red and his voice became deeper, clearly offended. Maggie Fisher, who was listening to the conversation, chimed in. Edgar, I do see a problem with Trump. Are pale, and other politicians jumping on the anti Mexican bandwagon. They're creating and encouraging a generation of prejudice and fear against Mexicans. People who have steered away from those prejudicial thoughts and language may now feel more inclined, or even permitted, to feel and say similar things. Look, Edgar responded, it's clearly a political stunt and it'll soon pass. You guys know as well as I do that the chances of Trump being elected as a Republican candidate are zero. His offensive statement will soon disappear from the news. But the poisonous words he's put out there and the feeling and thoughts he's planted in people's minds and hearts have already created irreparable damage. It will stay on people's mind for many years to come, said Lorenzo. And then, as if seeing a ghost, Lorenzo said, And can you imagine if he wins? That evening at the Suarez home, Elizabeth finished work early and had time to cook dinner. She made the dish she knew was her best, green chicken enchiladas. The family was happy to enjoy a home-cooked meal for a change. As usual, the dinner conversation started by Lorenzo questioning the kids about their day. Mark was moody and didn't want to chat. He acted like he didn't hear Lorenzo's question and stared at his plate silently, not wanting to be part of the conversation. Lorenzo decided to share his experience at the birthday lunch, mentioning the damaging effects Trump's language was starting to have on people and how the talk of a border wall to keep Mexicans out would hurt young Mexican-Americans. Mark had heard his dad complain about this before, and he was annoyed at this conversation. He emulated his mom's indifference about her Mexican roots. He felt American, not Mexican-American. Not to be mean, Dad, but you keep repeating that young Mexicans are going to lose their pride. But honestly, what do they have to be proud about? Mexico is... Just a crappy third world country and without American money, people there would starve. That is why they come here. The second those words came out of his mouth, Mark realized that he may have insulted his dad and expected a reprimand. Instead, Lorenzo calmly responded, My son, what do you think is based on a lot of misrepresentations? Of course, America is the richest nation in the world, and Mexico next to America is much poorer. But, Mexico is not a poor country, and Mexicans don't starve. In fact, Mexico has been a rich and highly cultured nation even before the Spanish conquistadores arrived. The Aztec Empire was the largest and most powerful nation in the Americas and only the Inca in South America could rival it. The Aztecs built large, beautiful cities with great edifices and pyramids, organized commerce, had arts and sciences, and had formidable armies. Among the Spanish colonies, Mexico, then called New Spain, was the wealthiest colony on the continent. Today, Mexico is the richest Spanish-speaking nation in the hemisphere, and Mexico's economy is among the 15 largest in the world. The media is filled with terrible misrepresentations about Mexico. Really? Mark responded sarcastically. Are you exaggerating again, Dad? Mark did not believe what his dad said. Most importantly, there is a lot for Mexicans in America to be proud of, said Lorenzo, because the Mexican culture has influenced American culture deeper than people understand. Americans have pride and brag about their cowboy culture. But the boots, hats, colorful shirts, corrido-style country music, and the rodeos are directly inherited and a copy of the Mexican vaquero culture. And the Mexican food... Some of the best food in the world influences American cuisine every day. The beautiful Mexican architecture and art plastered all over America are also uniquely Mexican. Sadly, instead of properly acknowledging it as Mexican, Americans choose to call it Spanish style or Southwest style. Dad, why would anyone want to hide the contribution of the Mexican culture? You're silly, said Mark. You may not know this, but there's a historical reason why there was an effort to minimize the contribution of the Mexican culture in America and damage his reputation, and it's part of a dark, almost forgotten part of American history. Mark, Katie, and Elizabeth could see Lorenzo's passion as he spoke, It was as if he was talking to a jury. He loved history, and they would not dare interrupt. Before eighteen forty, California, Nevada, Texas, New Mexico, Colorado, Utah, and Arizona, about one third of what is today United States was Mexico. These lands were sparsely populated. But the Mexicans owned large and small cattle ranches and grew crops of all types all over the lands. Mexico City was far away, and the ranchers and landholders felt ignored by the distant government. Some Mexican ranchers wished for independence. Americans moved west and started to settle on Mexican land. The Americans who settled there were slave owners from the south, and wanted to bring slavery to Mexico. Mexico had abolished slavery and did not allow slave selling or trading. The settlers were upset with these rules and the disorganized Mexican government. Many Mexicans and the Americans living on the lands decided to unite and fight for independence from Mexico. They were supported by the United States, which had plans for westward expansion. So, both Mexicans and Americans fought for independence, asked Katie. Yes. After the Mexican-American War, Arizona and all the other regions became part of the U.S. At first, the Mexicans who fought alongside the American settlers were happy to become part of America and free themselves from Mexico. The Peace Treaty of Guadalupe required that the Mexican landowners, big and small, would be allowed to keep ownership of their lands, homes, and ranches. But soon, greed got the best of some unscrupulous, powerful Anglo-Americans, and they found legal and illegal loopholes to take lands and possessions away from the Mexicans, who were now Americans. These bad people wanted to appropriate the lands and property from their rightful Mexican owners, so they used the old strategy— of creating fear, they spread rumors that Mexicans were plotting against America. This incited suspicion and hatred towards Mexicans. They were successful in manipulating the American opinion by way of scare tactics and natural human prejudice to reach their goals. Elizabeth, had never heard this part of history told this way and rolled her eyes. Really? Lorenzo nodded his head. These actions were carefully orchestrated to manipulate the American people's minds by a few powerful perpetrators looking to benefit from these atrocities. In the end, the Americans who conquered the Mexican lands did what the Spaniards had done to the Mexicans 300 years earlier although with less brutality. Katie listened in rapt attention as she loved history like her dad. What did the Spaniards do to subjugate Mexico? Lorenzo was happy to see Katie was listening and wanted his daughter to understand how history explains the present and many times the future. Honey, the Spaniards were brutal conquerors, When they first arrived in Mexico, they recorded in their diaries how the Aztecs were highly civilized and had a well-organized government, education system, and were even more advanced than Europeans in some areas of science. They also found that they had a pagan religion, which encouraged human sacrifice. Once the Aztecs were conquered, the Spaniards destroyed any vestiges of civilization the Aztecs ever had. Killing and torturing anyone who made Aztec art, spoke the Aztec language, or even farmed using Aztec techniques. They were forced into slavery, forced to convert to Catholicism, or be tortured or burned. Under this brutal strategy for almost 300 years, Mexicans were forced to believe that the Aztec ancestors had no cultural value. They were savages and the only Enlightenment came from Spain. By destroying the Aztecs' reputation, the Spaniards made it clear that the only source of pride should come from being Spanish. Americans were kinder conquerors. Nevertheless, some of the people in charge of those new lands used techniques that conquering nations have used throughout history to subjugate and control conquered people. They embarked on an intentional effort to vilify and humiliate the conquered people. Remember the Alamo was a fighting call used to unite Anglo-Americans against Mexicans to malign, repress, and destroy their reputation, thus making it acceptable to perform such atrocities. Lorenzo looked up to the ceiling as if thinking deeply and said, I see this happening again today. He looked at Katie, who listened with deep interest. Imagine being a Mexican in America after the Mexican-American War. You would have faced the terrible injustice of having your home, your land, and your possessions removed. Then you may have been forced into a camp and only allowed to do menial jobs. Katie shook her head in disbelief. Soon after... Pushed by the injustices, many Mexican ex-landowners and their kids became famous bandits or bandidos, like the mythical Zorro, and started to fight against this system of injustice. This, of course, was followed by harsh repression. Mexicans were forced to segregate, were not given equal rights, were treated like slaves, were only allowed to do labor and servile work and were not allowed in schools, they were forced to become second-class citizens. This action has caused severe emotional damage to Mexican-Americans who have lived in America for several generations, who have been imprinted with a second-class citizen mentality. This is the historical reason Mexicans are considered to be the servant class in America, even today. This explains that the current poor economic condition of the Mexican-American community is not related to their lack of ability, but the forced repression and denied opportunities it suffered for over 150 years. Katie's mouth was wide open and she said, Dad, I had no clue about this. Why don't they teach us this in school? Honey, this is almost hidden history but it is there to be found. First, the powerful architects of this strategy were careful to hide and disguise their true intentions and their human rights violations. And now, all these years later, because it's not a pleasant history, it's not something to look back and be proud of, it's easier to ignore the atrocities committed by the past generations. You're twisting history and are hurting our children, Elizabeth said. Just because you came from Mexico, you can't make up your own facts. They feel like an offense towards American goodness. Yeah, Dad, I don't feel any of this second-class mentality, said Mark. Elizabeth grew visibly upset. Lorenzo, you may need to check your facts. Mexicans wanted to join the U.S. and actually fought against Mexico, and America paid Mexico for the lands that they took. Mark jumped in. And Dad, that was a long time ago. This is the 21st century. There's no more oppression against Mexicans. Look at Sheriff Arpaio, said Katie. Oh, he's just a nutcase, replied her mom. Lorenzo looked at his irate wife and son and exhaled deeply. He was saddened by them. Well, this is the problem. I see a new wave of oppression against Mexicans, just like the 1840s when Mexicans joined America and had no clue what was to be of them. Today, things could change very quickly. Lorenzo had no clue how prophetic his words would be. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts for the Katie Suarez Social Justice Podcast, based on the 2019 Best Latino Focus Fiction Novel, Irreversible Damage, by J.L. Reese. The series is narrated by actor Mike Gomez. A timely and poignant novel about a young Latina's courage, about personal growth, and following your heart, no matter how costly it may be. Kim Chavez, La Plaza de Cultura y Artes.